This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, and I am joined from Whakatane by Mawera Karatai. Kia ora, Mawera. Kia ora, Sam. How's it going? Welcome it, back. Thank you. It has been a fantastic trip. I can heartily recommend doing the root burn in nice weather. That is a good thing. Beautiful photos. Yeah, and it was. It's. It's not that bigger tramp. So you're into. I mean, for me getting into the sort of the, the alpine plants quite quickly is the that's the win and the root burn does that and you're, you're up into the pretty much the entire second day and so, some of the third day you're in the alpine zone so it's it's just like wow amazing views um so that's good and then catlin's on the way home and now we're here perfect so who are we introducing today It is my great pleasure to introduce someone I have had great admiration for for some years, Jo Trinder. Uh, Jo is a journalist, blogger, champion of the underdog, cinematographer, Indigenous rights activist, and I say a wise owl, and he definitely is. (laughs) Welcome, Jo. It is a great pleasure for us to have you here today. Oh, tēnākwe, Mawera. How are you? Well, and you? Oh, good, good, good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Kira Joe, where are you, Joe? Um, I'm I'm in um in Pocono, um, just south of the Bombays. Um and I actually uh Whakapapa to um Whakatani. Um so I'm Natiawa, Nati Pukiko. And um I'm from Matago and so I used to live out in, in Port Chalmers. And I've been up the root burn as well. I went all the way up to Mount Zenicus when I was young, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Lots to talk about, yeah. none of which we'll talk about today. We've been asking people how their bubble life was, and then we had to start talking about how their traffic light was, and now we're talking about how their, I don't know, are we just calling it let COVID happen life? How is your bubble traffic light thing going? Well, I'm in... Um, I'm kind of living in the Waikato, so it's um, it's pretty much the same as what it's it, it's been all along. Um, just wear a mask, sanitize your hands. It's just more people are getting well infected all over the nation. Really, yeah, yeah. So how was the how was the bubble life? How was your, the lockdown life for you? Oh well, I just live with my dog Bear. So I, um, I don't, nothing changes. And so last year I probably had about six weeks paid leave, um, just in lockdown. Um, 
and for a gamer that's like heaven um <laughs> yeah especially if you've got a huge steam library um and and this year have had had a lot of downtime as well just um with lockdowns but but for gamers that's heaven that's not stress for us for some people who are outdoorsy sort of people or social um butterflies to them that's um it's hell on earth and for me i love covid (laughs) (laughs) so mawera described you as having several roles a a a journalist a a a podcaster and a what else did you say indigenous rights activist you been able to do all of those things during COVID? Uh, yeah, so I'm the editor of the Southern Cross News. Um, we we um, take a kind of a pro-Indigenous rights uh, view in our, in our articles. Uh, but mainstream media is going that way. Anyhow, since I was younger, um, it, was, it was really pro-colonial. Um, an activist got called a radical. Um, yeah, it was it was very neo-colonial um, back in the eighties, but but yeah, also um, indigenous rights activists. So uh, I like to champion on social media uh, indigenous rights, um, and I, th- I think that's important um, that um people are opposing organizations like hobson's pledge so i try to turn up to all of their clan rallies with a camera and i like to grill uh don brash and give him a bit of grief (laughs) turning up with a camera to uh, 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 are they proud to be there are you trying to expose who's there so um, I went to uh, one of the Hobson's Pledge rallies in Pukekohe, uh probably around about four or five years ago. And what happened is a lot of uh, British New Zealanders or Pākehā, they, they, um, they let it slip and they, um, they felt comfortable to be in a position where they could say a whole lot of um, derogatory things or real ignorant stuff about Tao Māori. And it was stuff that they just don't know about. And so they were standing up making all these opinions and I was there with a camera and I filmed every single ignorant statement coming from each member of the of the public. And um, then I put it on Facebook and it went viral and the silly old man who got up and made a statement that Samuel Marsden invented today in Māori and that every accomplishment within Tao Māori was owed to... Uh, British colonists and people people just didn't believe that and so so there's a lot of there's a lot of ignorance um, within Hobson's pledge and their supporters on on uh, on the Maori world basically and so it's a real beautiful culture tell Maori once you get to experience it and you go on the marae and you and and you're just um exposed to the aunties and and how lovely they can be and so so they've got some total misconceptions they believe that tao maori is about greed they believe that it's a gravy train and that there's this sinister group of um indigenous people trying to um 
take all our tax dollars and, <laughs> and enrich themselves, which is not true. That's not what's happening. Do you think that in time, or perhaps now, do you think the the pandemic and the pandemic response has been a, a one of those colonising influences? I'm, I I really like the quote from early in the pandemic from the Secretary of Education, Iona Halstead, who said that the pandemic doesn't create inequities, it just reveals them. Is there a similar kind of statement to be made about the the colonizing effect? Oh, absolutely. So I used to um, champion indigenous rights. I used to advocate against Hobson's Pledge and a lot of um, a lot of anti-Maori rhetoric. And I used to invite all the Hobson's Pledge supporters onto my page so I could debate them. And um, and that seems it's we're no longer fighting against racists anymore who are real blatant about their anti-Maori views. What's happened is the rights kind of evolved because of Donald Trump, and it's managed to uh, co-opt some Māori into anti-Māori beliefs. So what it uses is these is these conspiracy theories, and it it kind of uh, has lured thousands of Māori to stand against their own indigenous rights, which is for many of us is really confusing. Um, and you've got you've got uh, people like Carleen Hediota who is putting up um, sharing posts of Hobson's pledge, and I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> so um, they've managed to find a way of indoctrinating our people to attack our own indigenous rights. So we're fighting uh, racism that's just evolved because of um because of um the the pandemic conspiracy theories and donald trump plays a, a large part in that as well let's take the first of your music choices let's have achy breaky heart why this one um i've got a real deranged sense of music <laughs> and what what um what i listen to and um and people get embarrassed by the music that I put on. Yeah, uh, um, yeah, I'm sorry. That's all I can do is just apologise for my choice in music. You can tell the world you never was my girl. You can burn my clothes when I'm gone. Oh, you can tell your friends just what a fool I've been. Life and joke about me on the phone. You can tell my arms go back into the phone. You can tell my feet to hit the floor. Or you can tell my lips to tell my fingertips. They won't be reaching out for you no more. Don't tell my heart, my aching, breaking heart. I just don't think you'd understand. And if you tell my heart, my achy, breaky heart He might blow up and kill his man You can tell your mom I moved to 
until my eyes Watch out for my mind It might be walking out on me today But don't tell my heart My achy, breaky heart I just don't think it understand And if you tell my heart My achy, breaky heart He might blow up and kill his plan I've been uh, quite involved in the Māori Wards campaign in getting that legislation changed. So this this coming year, we're getting, uh, finally, we've got um, almost every council around the country is, is going to have dedicated Māori Wards and people on the Māori roll will be able to vote um, in, you know, for their representation, which is outstanding. Gosh, that has taken a lot of work. Do you think that this is going to be something that's got long legs. Do you think that uh, governments of the future will honour that and hold on to it? Um, yeah, well, I came over there for um, to Fakatani to film it when you've had that um, when you've had that protest down the main street. Yep. Um, so you've had real good momentum and. Um, Tamati Coffee was there and the mayor and and you marched down the main street. And and I think that campaign that, that you ran in Fakatani, it was really effective and you did really well. And just across the country, I was campaigning in Hamilton District Council for uh, their Māori wards and we won there. I think a lot of New Zealanders realise that... Um, there's been a kind of um, um, British domination. British New Zealanders have dominated um, council, and the and and Maori kind of haven't been able to participate as well because it's it's a bit more difficult to get elected in if you're an ethnic minority and amongst the colonial majority, and so. And so I think that it's people, like 
organizations like Hobson's Pledge try to sell you that it is a um, it's against democracy and it's a breach of democracy and it's undemocratic, which in reality it's not. It's the opposite. It's very democratic because it's inclusive and it's allowing an ethnic minority who are indigenous to participate in um, in in the system. So Hobson's Pledge will tell you that this is separatism, when in fact it's the opposite of separatism. It's actually inclusion, because what you're doing is you're taking an indigenous people who have ideals of nationalism and multinationalism, and you're enrolling them into your colonial systems, and you're getting them to participate. Now, if they're part of your system, they're not going to want to go and form their own nation and start genuine separatism of dual nations. So, so when organisations like Hobson's Pledge, they try and spread this rhetoric that Māori are the sinister group that are trying to create the this separate Māori nation, well, Māori wards is actually the opposite of that. It is, it is, it is actually enrolling um, tangata whenua into a colonial system. So, yeah, I, I think that it's it'll be difficult to get rid of Māori wards uh, moving forward it, it, for any government, even if National wanted to abolish it. They'll struggle moving forward. My friend Tony Boynton, um, her and I stood on the steps of the Parliament and handed the petition to Tāmati and her put it all, all the way through the process was, I want my children to look into the council and see themselves reflected back, to see that they belong there, to see that they can be part of that, part of the decision making at that table. And that has just, just been such a strong voice in my head for almost every single thing that I've done since that time. Um, yeah, I'm friends with Tony. Um, so I ring her probably about once a week and get ideas off her. And um, she's quite inspirational because she's um, on local government as well. And um, she put in a lot of effort for these Māori wards to to actually get them to come to fruition. And, um, and I'm encouraging her to actually stand for the Māori ward over there in Whakatane. I think she's already participated in local government. I think that she that she kind of deserves to win a Māori ward for the effort she's put in. Yeah. And for the example that she'll be for all of our young people, for our young women. And, uh, yeah, that would just be a beautiful thing to see happen. How do you think we can get that message, you know, we're coming up to our local body elections. How do we get that message out to our young people that this is your time to make your voice be heard, that this is our best chance of actually being part of affecting positive change, particularly in our environmental space? Well, um, one time with my daughter, I took her out and we just walked the streets of Hamilton and she didn't realise in what a colonised world uh, she she lives in. So I took her down Vontemski uh, Street and that was one of the uh, bush rangers that... Um, um, fought against Titukawaru down in the Taranaki um, and he ended up losing his life. 
then I took her down. Um, oh, what's that? That man who invaded. Um, oh, James Bryce. So I took her down Bryce Street, uh, and he ordered the invasion of Parihaka, where um, men and well, well, uh, men were taken away as slaves, and women and children were raped. And then I explained to her the streets and how Tangata Whenua don't have a, a say in the streets. And this is really oppressive. It's like um, putting Hitler Street in Tel Aviv. Um, mm. you, you know, it would be really inappropriate to, to, the, um, um, to the Jewish people. So, so colonial names like that, I don't believe are appropriate in the 21st century because you're seeing these street names with all these genocidal maniacs around you. And I think that tangata whenua, um, well, you know, often you do get a Māori councillor into council through a general seat, but those councillors often are a lot like Winston Peters and they have no interest in Indigenous rights. You actually need to vote um, someone who isn't just genetically Māori, but someone who actually um, has carry, has the interests of Māoridom to participate in in uh, local government. And so I think um, one of the first things that Māori wards are going to probably tackle is the de-anglification of street names and place names, which is it's really important. We can't we can't live for generations walking around um, seeing men that are um, mass murderers on every street sign. It's just unethical. Mm, I had never actually thought of it. Well, I didn't. I didn't know that. that I, you know, I don't, I don't live in the Waikato, and I, I never gave thought to those names. But actually, as I think about it, that happens all around this country. That street names are, are often used to celebrate the successes of people, and some of those people, <laughs> it's a bit dodgy whether or not we should celebrate them. That I'd never thought of that, Joe. Thank you for that. So, gosh, that would be a great thing to come out of it. So how do you think, so is it through those kind of stories, is that the way to engage our young people in that democratic process? Well, um, I like to take an analogy that Robert Bartholomew um, gave me, the author of No Māori Allowed. Like a fish is is swimming in, a, in like a, a river, right? And it doesn't know any different. It doesn't know about its environment. And so... Um, if it understands the environment that it's that it's in, that if we're to tell our tamariki that look, you're in a really colonised world, um, you speak a foreign language, you all the all the places around you are named after genocidal maniacs that tried to kill your tupuna. Um, yeah, then then they start to to grasp it once you tell them the history of of how they've been indoctrinated into colonization. And then they'll and then they start to realize, well, what can we do to fix this? And it's through elections and democracy and local government that you can that you can just adjust um, society so it isn't so offensive to following generations. You're talking oh, about the, cool. you're talking about the, the symbols and the de-anglification of the symbols. 
What are we going to do about the appropriation of the symbols? I'm thinking about the United Tribes flag and languages and concepts by the tinfoil hat wearers in Wellington. Do What are we going to do to, to unpick that or to, to put that, to like reclaim the, the ownership of those sorts of symbols where they should be? Yeah, I find that that use of he fucker putanga flag and flying it upside down, or the tinoranga tiratanga flag and flying that upside down, it's really culturally insensitive and it, and they're a disgrace what they're doing. But I think what's happened is we are suffering as a nation from more than COVID is um, cult conspiracy theory syndrome, where many of our people uh, believe that. Are starting to believe in information that's unrealistic and is disinformation and those people that are flying those flags i think they actually need to be rehabilitated uh yeah in the the the, the theme of this show is positive but not deluded and, and maybe we've got an example there of the deluded but how do we how do we maintain that sort of positive mindset that there is a a way through this? We're, we're trying to move from that sort of deficit model to, to, to a, a one where we can envisage something better. But is there a solution to that? Yeah, I think um, what the government could do is actually uh, put a bit of investment into... Uh, combating conspiracy theories and misinformation and disinformation. They could start off with, say, like a television show that um, goes interviews scientists and gets the facts. Like one of the um, conspiracy theories that I detest the most is the pre-Polynesian conspiracy theory of the Welsh arriving in Aotearoa well before Polynesians and that and what it does is it portrays a um, kind of a, a story that Polynesians were too primitive to um, do celestial navigation, or they got, came here on a on a on a failed fishing expedition, it, and and that Europeans have always been superior at ocean navigation, which is not true. Polynesians had discovered North America and South America. Uh, 500 years before Columbus, they were they were probably the greatest explorers in human history uh, when it came to the Pacific. But but I think that the New Zealand government should actually invest in um, into debunking conspiracy theories and sorting out misinformation because because actually governments are going to start losing power over this. Like I I think that the the sixth Labour government is actually going to struggle at the next elections to defeat um, the National Party and Christopher Luxon because, because conspiracy theorists are, are putting out all these images of a Hitler, of a Hitler, the Prime Minister's Hitler, and she's evil, and they want to put her in a noose. And, and so all this disinformation just recruits more people who think twice about voting um, for the Prime Minister based on on disinformation. Now, I want um, politicians to lose elections based on stuff they have genuinely done wrong, not for some conspiracy theory, genocide, holocaust of human depopulation where they're some kind of sinister, 
evil megalomaniac. I don't want them to lose elections based on that. I want them to lose elections based on they failed they failed in the economy or they didn't build enough housing or genuine stuff that they should fail in elections for, not not um fairy tales. Let's take the second of your music choices. Let's have New Kids on the Block, Hanging Tough. Why this one? Um, I've got this real warped sense of music that I listen to, and it's deranged, and I'm absolutely ashamed by the music I listen to.
Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokadui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, nā mahi aroha nui ki a koutou, ko I hope you're all having the best day, beautiful superstars in your beloved universes. And I really hope, wherever you are, and whatever's happening around you, this journey that we're all on together is proving to be very rewarding, very sustaining, and illuminating for you, Memorichita, who you are. A triumph of nature's perfect, unique, and here, making better. Thank you. Now, I know that for us all, for more than two years now, we have been finding ourselves navigating an ever-changing landscape of multiple realities every day. And this is a difficult problem, and it's so important we acknowledge the stress and the strain that we're all under, the different approaches that we're all taking, and that we can, with compassion, unify and support one another with shared goals and visions for the future, for the present, whilst acknowledging lessons from the past. I know that for me, more and more, I'm appreciating the present moment and the interactions to be found therein. More and more as I find my lifestyle changing and new strategies having to be developed, my old routines almost completely disappeared. More and more what is arising for me is a sense of new options, new pathways. And of course, not just the pathways in the external universe, but pathways in the internal universe. As we know, our consciousness is so much more than our physical body, but our physical body is one of the ways that we experience being a spark of the infinite consciousness. And our brains are constantly wiring and rewiring, and our hearts constantly wiring and rewiring, feeling and refeeling, understanding and re-understanding. And of course, at these difficult times, to be able to go within and find the sanctuary that is always there within us all is such an important and precious skill to have and to harness and to remember that within us all there is a stillness, that within us all there is a peace, that within our heart there is always love, and that love will never end, that we are life, and that life itself will never end. We are in this form right now and there's so much joy to be had in this form so much to experience so much to be grateful for and to appreciate and part of that is asking for help when we are suffering and part of that is feeling appreciation for the love and support that surrounds us so I really hope for you at this time wherever you are and whatever's happening around you whichever part of that cycle of understanding and re-understanding you find yourself in that each day you are experiencing these moments connection and recognition that you're seeing yourself as the great contributor that you are that you're feeling yourself as the great conduit for the infinite life force that pervades all things and i hope this is bringing to you some moment of comfort and i'll look forward to talking to you again soon thanks so much you're listening to Blowing Bubbles. We're talking with Joe Trinder. Joe, we've seen lots of changes in society over the last two years. What do you think is going to stick? And perhaps more importantly, what do you hope will stick? 
Um, one of the things that's really impressed me is the um, some of the new policies coming out from the Māori Caucus uh, with a Māori Health Ward, um, Māori Health Authority, and and also Māori Wards as well as what we've um, as what we've discussed. Um, because I think that um, people are starting to realise that the British um, Westminster system shouldn't just be the default. I think that there is other solutions and, and they're starting to accept that we don't live in Europe, we live in the South Pacific and we have a very large Polynesian population here in Aotearoa and that we should maybe look at at different ways of solving issues and problems. What might that look like? Well, um, when, I was, when I was younger, back in the 1980s, um, British New Zealanders uh, made up most of the decisions for the whole nation, and there wasn't a lot of Māori participation in that decision-making, and that was across most of industry, uh, most government departments. Um, there was very low Māori participation, and even in media. Um, so I think as we start to become more multicultural, we're going to have a richer nation for it. Uh, also, one of the things that I admire is the new curriculum for New Zealand history. So there's this old rumour going around that is that what happened is the Moriori arrived before Tangata Whenua, uh, that they were not Polynesian, uh, they were, um, and then they lived on the mainland of Aotearoa, um, and what happened is the newcomers came along, uh, Tangata Whenua and Māori, and tried to exterminate them, so they escaped out to the Chatham Islands. It's, it's a myth. It never, it never happened. So I, I try to untangle this this myth and i say to people well you know when uh captain cook arrived in 1769 he was british right yeah and so if someone comes from heathrow airport and lands at auckland airport in 2022 are they still british then how come when a polynesian arrives and they're moriori and they're deemed as a different race and then and then say um, more Polynesians turn up, maybe 50 years, 100 years later, they're a different race. So I think people are getting um, it mixed up, what's happening with New Zealand history. They don't really understand New Zealand history. And that myth is about one of the only stories most New Zealanders know of New Zealand history. They're, you ask them about the New Zealand wars and they're like, Oh, yeah, just a couple of skirmishes here and there, don't know where. They can't tell you anything about it, but everyone knows the uh, Moriori myth. Joe, I, um, I, I, I try and ask this question as often as possible because the, the answers always fascinate me. If I was like this amazingly powerful fairy with this wand and I could wave the magic wand and make whatever the, the one thing in this world change that will change everything, what would that be for you? What would be the one thing you would change where everything else would sort of fall into line? 
It would probably um, be that uh, the document Her Poor Poor was um, endorsed and actioned by uh, the New Zealand government. That what, would probably would change, what would the change be? I think I know. I know what the change would be. But from your perspective, what would the change be? A lot of a lot more co-governance. Uh, it would be. It would be kind of a situation where tangata whenua could ordain their own destinies within within uh, our current New Zealand system, um, but collaboratively. I wrote um, today a, a little piece about fear when um, the, the Freedom March people have got this thing where where what they're doing is is um, helping people to overcome this fear that has been driven into them. And I see it as completely the other way around. I, I actually see them as being completely driven by fear because if you have knowledge, if you have sound knowledge and knowledge that's based on, on evidence and knowledge that's based on robust discussion and debate, then you don't have nearly as much to fear. And, and I think about that document and the the fear mongering that would that came just from the general discussion of it how do we over how do we help those people to overcome the fear because that would be the transformation that would lead change on the most incredible scale not just for us as indigenous people but for indigenous people all over the world how do we help this country to move to a place where they're not afraid of that yeah i think um in some circles, there's always going to be uh, paranoia uh, over Indigenous rights. So there's there's this perception um, amongst many British New Zealanders that anything awarded to Māori is an unjustified attack on Pākehā rights, and it's not. It's it's an and, and it's an and. Um, John Minto coined the phrase is that. Um, when Māori are doing good, everyone's doing good, you know. Um, it, I think there's probably there's probably some circles out there that just don't want to see tangata whenua um, succeed. But if tangata whenua succeeds, the whole New Zealand economy succeeds. The whole, all we all lift up, we all we all rise, and so I mean. What have they got to lose? I mean, they some of them have some perception that that um, it's their tax dollars they're going to lose, or or there's going to be some civil war and Maoris are going to take over New Zealand society. Maori aren't after that. They don't want to control all of New Zealand society for everyone. They just want to ordain their own destiny and control. Um, their own outcomes. And so I think there's a wee bit of confusion and what people don't understand, they fear. And so so I think Hapuapua uh, is going to be an extraordinarily difficult document for any government to um, enable. Joe, do you think there are any lessons from the pandemic and the pandemic response for 
those sorts of bigger change we were just talking then about the, the possibility of, of, of change not just in New Zealand but indigenous rights globally so can we take lessons for climate change for social justice for indigenous rights around the world from how we've responded to the pandemic yeah well I think um, that Aotearoa has probably had the the best response um, on on the planet um, and how we've how we've handled um, how we've handled the pandemic I mean you know when you come to variants like Omicron well you just it, it's too contagious you just there's no strategy that any government can put in place to to stop that becoming contagious but they've managed to um, the government's managed to hold it off until we could all get vaccinated enough but but uh, we've we've suffered greatly with misinformation um, and there's people out there that are living in fear of of radiation they're living in fear of nanobots and they're living in fear of deadly cell phone towers but they're not wearing masks and they're not afraid of of uh, the omnicom virus so so yeah we we i think we need to put a lot more effort into battling uh disinformation i have some questions to end the show with and not very much time so we shall have to rattle through them what is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years uh it would be maori wards and hamilton district council that was a that was a real a real win we all kind of walked away from that feeling really really proud of ourselves so we're writing a book of these conversations we keep saying this but we really are going to aren't we Moira? It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our team of people doing good work. So you are in that team. What's your superpower? What's got you into the mansion? Um, my um, superpower is um, saying, putting up stuff on social media that uh, causes tension, and but it also causes debate. And... And so I get New Zealanders to think about um, a given situation and then I allow them to um, have a bitter argument about it in social media. I try to avoid censoring people or, or shutting them down. I let everyone argue. And um, I think a lot of that is you've got to be quite thick-skinned because today I've been called a clown and a coward and a couple of other nasty names, which I won't repeat, but yeah. So do you consider yourself to be an activist? Absolutely, yeah. Um, so I'm friends with the traditional activists like um, Annette Sykes, Honi Haruera, John Minto, they're personal friends of mine. But um, to me, they're the originals um and the senior activists but uh, i'm a newer form of activist as an online activist and i believe that you can convince more people to your way of thinking by putting your ideas out on social media where it can be seen by the masses as opposed to 
um, going on a protest where you'll only affect, influence the people who see your protest. Well, um, in social media, you can get those ideas out. And everyone's got a phone and they can see how what what you want for your society. And by taking that proactive role and encouraging debate that lifts it above the the accusations of collectivism yeah uh, i think it's important to let your critics have a say in social media as opposed to censoring them um and and those critics can be really abusive but you still got to let them have a say and yeah and that like let them feel like they've had a say even if it turns into this personal attacks, which it often does, um, yeah, that's part of having that, that debate and discussion. So what motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Um, oh, oh <laughs> that caught me <laughs> off guard. Um, uh, yeah, well, uh, I like to... I like to just get on social media and I like to participate in, um, in New Zealand society. And, and uh, I like to create that kind of long-term change or just challenge people's views on, on different situations. So what is the biggest challenge or opportunity that you're looking forward to in the next year or so? Uh, probably uh, the next elections. So I, um, I, I get involved in the elections, I do video work uh, for it, and it, I think it's going to be really interesting who's going to um, be the government uh, at the next elections considering uh, who, what, what's happening outside Parliament right now. And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? Um, yeah, I think um, they should um, participate in debate on social media. Um, if um, throw out ideas, don't be afraid to say stuff that's on your mind and have an opinion that could be against the mainstream opinion. Uh, just speak your mind, and then have that debate with people and people who disagree with you, don't block them and censor them. Just uh, have a really robust debate with them and even have an argument. But then at the end of it, uh, just agree to disagree and don't take it personally. Thank you for that. Mawara. Joe, I really appreciate the way that you hold people so well um, and that you're, you don't stomp on people's money at all, even though sometimes I sit back and I think, whoa, I see these people being so disrespectful of you, but you don't fight back. And I, I just appreciate that. I appreciate that you enable people to have their voice and you facilitate conversations that actually make a lot of people super uncomfortable. Your work um, changes things for everybody. And Long may that continue to be the case. And thank you for the work that you do. Thanks for joining us today. Sure, thank you.
You've been listening to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We are broadcast on Otago Access Radio every Monday, Wednesday and Friday afternoons at three and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. This is the Laurie Johnson Orchestra with the Avengers theme. I'm Samuel Man and Sawyer's Bay Dunedin with Mawira Karatai in Fukutani and we've been joined from Pukano by Joe Trinder. That was Blowing Bubbles. We hope you enjoyed the show. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.